Welcome to the Cashing Out Podcast, where our fellow founders share real stories and offer honest advice around selling their companies to some of the top acquirers in the world. My name is Todd Sullivan, CEO of ExitWise, where we help business owners create the exits they deserve. Today, I have a special guest and good friend, Shane Bleemaster. Shane has the interesting perspective of working for three companies that were acquired, the last of which was his own. He went through his first M&A transaction as an employee of Peanut Labs, which was acquired by eRewards in 2010. Then he was part of the founding team of MoviePass, which was acquired in 2017. And finally, his last exit was as the founder of Marketing Supply Company, which he sold to Phenomenon in 2021. Now, because of Shane's previous experience with M&A, he decided to sell this last business without hiring an investment banker. In today's conversation, we'll explore how he made that decision any advice he has for our fellow founders that might be in a similar position, and in hindsight, did he make the right call? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shane Bleemaster. So Shane, thank you for doing this. You have had an amazing run as a marketing and growth entrepreneur, being part of three exits over your career so far. You're way younger than I am, so I'm pretty jealous. I know your insights, your advice, it's gonna be like gold for our founders. So I'm really pumped you're doing this so much so that as soon as you took this time slot, I had no problem bumping Mark Cuban from this one. So thank you <laughs> for being here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an intro. Yes. Thanks, Todd. I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. I think it's always fun just to talk first about how we got to know each other, how we first met. And I know you yeah. and I talked about what that actually was. So why don't I hear your version? Sure. Because I liked it. So how we ended up meeting was, uh, I was about three years into MSC and uh, Marketing Supply Company, which was my marketing agency that I started in Detroit. And it was back, in, and I still do this quite a bit, but it was back when I really was trying to hustle to grow the business. Yep. And... You know, this was obviously pre-COVID. Maybe this was, I'm Todd, I think this was probably about six years ago, five, six years ago. And uh, and I was just trying to connect with everyone that I could in the Detroit market. I had lived out of state for a long time. And when I first started the company, I was able to leverage my connections in San Francisco and New York to grow the business. And that was when, you know, when I reached out, we majority of our clients were actually on the coast in San Francisco and New York because of my time spent there. Um, and I, I really wanted to connect with more local entrepreneurs, people doing interesting things. Your name popped up a few times. I saw, I think I saw you on LinkedIn at one point. Um, so I just called outreached on, on LinkedIn and uh, you and I connected and, and you've always been uh, so awesome to me. And, and as soon as I, as soon as I reached out, I think within, you know, an hour or two later, you immediately responded and you're like, yeah, man, let's meet up. Let's talk. Let's, I want to hear about your background. I want to tell you about some stuff I'm working on. And then I think we just had a meeting for the next week. I drove up to Birmingham. You and I sat down at a coffee shop and, uh, and we had a great conversation. I, I still remember that day perfectly. It was, it was a refreshing conversation to meet another entrepreneur locally who was kind of doing some of the same things that I was doing. Yeah, that's great. I love hearing that because there's so much noise on LinkedIn, right? But yeah. I'm sure when I saw that, I know that I went and looked at your background and saw all of these things that just spoke to me as very successful 
entrepreneur must be doing something interesting. And then one of my investors from a previous company, I think you had worked with him or at least provided services. So I reached out to him and he spoke so highly of your capability. I'm like, all right, I got to meet this guy. And so from there, I was doing some consulting with a client who desperately needed any kind of growth, revenue, anything, get it off the ground and convinced you to like, hey, come and try to help us, right? Yeah. And so that was, well, that was like the first time we really kind of got to work together. And then I find out, you got the hat on, right? That you were also yeah. a hockey player. Yeah. And then I remember, all right, I got to get this guy out on the ice. And so I bring <laughs> it to this, I convince you to do a 7 a.m. skate at, in my awesome. in my old man's league. And you're like, I, I don't know, you probably looked at my background. I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. And then you kind of skate circles around every. I think you, did you just switch to like, go from righty to lefty? Did you so, <laughs> I mean, it was so obvious that you didn't belong on the ice with us. But I appreciated you being there. But then I was like, Shane, you got to come back. And you're like, well, 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. I don't know if I can really do that. But what I want to say now is you just had a baby. So first, congratulations. I tend to think you should say congratulations kind of after the first year when you've been through that battle. But I'll say congratulations now. Thank you. How does 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning sound now, given that you're probably changing diapers at 5 a.m., right? You're up already, right? I'll be up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. And the hardest part about that is I live in Detroit, right? So it was a, not only was it 7 a.m., it was a 45-minute drive to get up there. But I will say I had a fantastic time. Great guys. Everyone was, you know, really gracious and, like, awesome out there. There's nothing better than playing pickup with a bunch of guys you don't know and getting to know some people. Yeah, I can tell you, just walking into that rink, it's like people will say the, the smell, like why would the smell yeah. be good, right? But it just, it brings you home. It's yep. amazing. And the relationships in the locker room, it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. So what I really want to talk about is the decision that you made on the last exit to go and sell that business yourself. But maybe let's talk a little bit about kind of your experience leading up to that, because you're in pretty rare air to be able to be part of multiple kind of M&A events, right? Being able to see it, participate, even just, you know, be a fly on the wall. So maybe can you kind of quickly take me through beginning to end of your career? So I went to college at San Francisco State from Michigan originally, moved out to the West Coast, went to San Francisco State after, uh, right after college, I took a job um, at a company called LoopNet, which is a commercial real estate website, and I was actually doing sales. So at that point, I didn't realize I kind of had a knack for marketing. Uh, I did that for about a year and a half, which was actually an incredible experience. I mean, I would highly recommend anyone coming out of college who doesn't know where they want to go with their career, go take a software or a SaaS sales job. You're going to learn about SaaS. You're going to learn about sales. You're going to learn how to talk to people on the phone. You're going to learn how leaders in your organization grow departments and grow businesses. It's fast paced. It's, it's awesome. So did that for about a year and a half. Didn't really like it. Sales wasn't for me. So what ended up, what I ended up doing is for about a year and a half doing that, I just decided that I was going to leave and I took an unpaid, this is back when unpaid internships were, were very common and they still can't believe it was a thing, but took an unpaid internship at a company called peanut labs. And this was in San Francisco. So I started at this company, I had no idea what they did. 
when I joined. I just wanted an unpaid internship at a tech at a tech startup. <laughs> you should right? come work here. <laughs> we have we have a few of those. I just I just wanted whatever I could get. So I took this unpaid internship. This is also when the economy wasn't great, right? So a lot of people weren't paying that much and decided to to do that. I was bartending on the weekends, trying to make ends meet in San Francisco. And when I got to this company, I kind of had this epiphany, which was I can make money kind of playing around on the internet, learning how to use the internet. And in my entire childhood, I had an uncle who always made sure I had the best computer I had. I was the first person in my in my uh, high school to have a CD burner. I was, you know, like I always, I, I always had a knack for the internet. And that's what I tell my employees now when I hire them is, are you good on the internet? And that's a serious question, right? Like, are you good? Are you good with your computer? And do you know how to use the internet well? And if you know how to do that, then most likely, if you understand the internet, you can be a good marketer. So when I got to this, when I got to this company, I was given these assignments that were like, okay, go figure this out from a marketing perspective. So I would go, I would, just, you know, do a bunch of research, figure things out, figure out how to do affiliate marketing, figure out how to do you know, all these all these little things for this company. Peanut Labs, what they did was they monetized social games like Zynga and all those Facebook games back in the day. Peanut Labs was an offer pal competitor. What we did is we offered market research surveys in exchange for virtual currency on those social games. So it was Peanut Labs who helped Zynga actually go public by helping them monetize their game through offers and, and market research surveys. Then they would turn around and sell that data to Ipsos and Nielsen and, and all those market research companies. So I got along very well with the CEO and COO. They decided to put me in charge of the kind of like part of like the labs part of the business, yep. which was we're going to launch these little side businesses and we can see if we, let's see if we can get them to stick. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So this is when Groupon was, this was in, I think, 09 when Groupon was, the fastest growing company in in his in the history of the world, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. that, it was when they they were just a rocket ship, and they were the tech darling yep. back in the day, right? Yep. And, it, and it was they were also in Chicago, which was a little bit rare, right? Um, at the time to have a company, it's usually they were usually still coming out of San Francisco. So um, so what we did was instead of it, we offered a third, uh, uh, we we put together a third offering as as a way to monetize, which was a local deal in your area to purchase, to get the virtual currency for the game you were playing. So you could buy like, you know, $10 for $20 at a restaurant, you would get that coupon, plus you would get the virtual currency you wanted for the game. So I was still not getting paid very much, but I, I you know, flew around from New York, San, uh, I was in San Francisco, I, was, I went to New York, I went to Houston, uh, and I went to LA, and I walked around from restaurant to restaurant, closing businesses to join this program. And I was basically selling on pieces of paper, getting these people on board. We signed, I think, 120 businesses in a month and a half. And then we launched this product into the market and it failed spectacularly. <laughs> what, what we realized, so where, where we made the mistake was, we thought that uh, people who want the virtual currency want other things. Well, what we found is that like they didn't want to go to a restaurant. All they wanted to do was get the virtual currency for their game. So we made the classic mistake of like building this entire thing, going out and closing a hundred, you know, a hundred local businesses, and then launching, and it totally fell flat. So um, yeah, so it was pretty. Uh, my first like real failure, I got to see firsthand like mistakes being made. Yeah. Um, and then we were. Uh, 
we, we needed to kind of like pivot and change the business into something. And then what we did was we, uh, we pivoted kind of last minute and we thought that people maybe wanted movie tickets in exchange for virtual currency. So this was still peanut labs at the time. This is peanut labs. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got, okay. So we launched this thing over the weekend, which is four movie tickets for $20. I did a quick search on, uh, on GoDaddy at the time, found the domain Weekly Cinema, bought weeklycinema.com, had my friend, my roommate actually create a logo for us. And that weekend we launched this thing called Weekly Cinema, which was four movie tickets for $20, plus you get your virtual currency. And then we, and then we were off and running. Then we, so it, cool. it worked extremely well. We, we sold a ton of movie tickets that weekend. Then we, we got into a partnership with movietickets.com. Uh, and then we scaled that business. We sold, we're doing, and then we started created partnerships with Groupon and Living Social. We ended up selling, I think, 1.5 or 1.6 million movie tickets within eight months through that platform. It's amazing. Um, so it's called Weekly Cinema. But then all the while, Peanut Labs was in the process of being acquired by a company uh, called Research Now or eRewards. So once eRewards and and once eRewards bought that business, bought Peanut Labs, yeah, this play thing that we were doing on the side, which was the movie theater subscription service, they were like, no, 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 too a little bit too risky for us. We're gonna, gonna go ahead and shut that down. So, um, so I got a lot of a lot of really good experience there because I got to see one. I got to build two new businesses from scratch, launch them in the market, see if they stick. One stuck, did really well. And at the same time, I got to see the business, Peanut Labs, the business, go through the process of an acquisition and what that looks like and how they treated their employees during an acquisition and how they led us through an acquisition and how their, how their communication skills. And it's the, the guys that uh, ran Peanut Labs were super interesting. There are two brothers from Pakistan and they were like 24 years old. And I, and I was like 26 and I was the old, I was the old guy. <laughs> The, the, the old unpaid intern at the beginning. That's, That's crazy. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, I would argue also you learned during that failure of like not to make this big assumption of what your customers want and go figure out what yeah. they want first, right? So probably looking right. at the data, you're able to see, oh, maybe movie tickets, maybe there's a heartbeat here, right? And then you go out, you test it. Oh, it looks good. We'll build it out further. I think when I talk to a lot of founders, it's, you know, whatever your idea is, if you call that A, you want to fail at A, B, C, D, and maybe F is going to work, but you got to yeah. like go through the battle to figure out what's actually going to stick and not make those assumptions, right? Do real customer discovery. That's right. I was like 26 years old having these conversations, getting, not getting paid very much money to talk to these like huge guys in Chicago at the time. You know, it was, it was always interesting to be in that room and be able to like try to keep up going, you know, punch for punch with these guys when I had really no idea what I was doing. And I think that was hugely beneficial in my career. And the, the, the way that the guys at Peanut Labs let me be in that room and let me speak and share my opinion and share my strategy is how I try to manage people to this day because it was such a huge impact. Uh, on on my life. But then you had this experience on the movie side, the movie subscription business, right? So transaction happens, then what? Yeah, so what happened was uh, we were, so we were acquired by rewards and uh, and then that side of the business shut down and I was kind of working on the peanut lab side of the business again, but it, but it really wasn't for me. And uh, I had been, uh, I had 
a couple guys reach out to me through LinkedIn. Um, one guy from True Ventures, um, he was an EIR at True Ventures at the time, reach out to me. He had heard that I was running a large portion of weekly cinema. Uh, and he said, hey, we're going to be launching a movie theater. We've been watching you guys. And we're going to launch a movie theater subscription service that's very similar out of New York. And I want you to I want you to talk to this guy named Stacy. And Stacy's going to be the CEO, and I'm going to be a co-founder, and we're going to start we're going to start this business. Would you be interested? And I was like, Yeah. I mean, I had fun. I had fun built doing the movie thing, right? It yeah. was a ton of fun. I was throwing big events at um, at movie theaters in San Francisco. It was super exciting for me. It was it was really cool to be in the kind of like in the movie industry, but as a tech guy. Yeah. Um, so what happened was his name's Hame Watt. Hame flew up from LA. He and I met in a hotel lobby. He he kind of pitched me on the idea. He's like, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be building this thing called, uh, we're, we're thinking of either calling it Movie One or Movie Pass. And um, would you be interested in maybe moving to New York to help us? And I was like, I don't know. I love San Francisco. I don't know if I want to go anywhere, <laughs> but this sounds super interesting. Yeah. So then I got on the phone with Stacy Spikes. Yeah. Uh, who is, uh, he's an amazing guy. Hame is also an amazing guy. These guys were also super influential in, in my career. They both, uh, you know, basically said like, look, we want you to be our number one, come to come move to New York, be in the room with Stacy. I'm going to stay in LA, but be in the room with Stacy when he builds this thing, he could really use your help. So I, two weeks later, I was packing my bags, moving to New York to start what became MoviePass in a small little probably 100 square foot office in manhattan with stacy and we built uh what eventually became movie pass from scratch uh we had nothing and um yeah it was a, it was a it was quite the experience and i was super lucky to be able to be guided by stacy who is the most tenacious entrepreneur i've ever met in my life we would get shut down stacy would have a new idea the following week on how to get around it. We, we at one point, uh, we partnered with a company called Hollywood Movie Money. So at first we had a, a partnership with movietickets.com and then we had a partnership, uh, we got shut down because movietickets.com just cut us off one day after our launch, big launch in San Francisco. And then we partnered with Hollywood Movie Money, which are the, the movie tickets and cereal boxes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's how we got around it the second time. Uh, we actually used that same platform to print movie tickets and then you had to actually print them out. And then the third time, the real, the way we like really got through is we built a debit card that could be loaded on demand. And this was Stacy's idea and it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, that could be loaded on demand with a smartphone, an individual smartphone. It was actually loading dollar amounts onto the debit card from the, a confirmation of ticket purchase on the app which was the way we got into theaters because the only way we could be shut down is if they shut down MasterCard and they're not going to, they weren't going to shut down MasterCard. So that was the way we got through. So we were shut down we were shut down a bunch. And then um, I ended up leaving after about two and a half years, just because I didn't, I wanted to go some different directions and, and it was kind of like my time there was, was a little bit up. Um, so I decided to leave and start doing some consulting work. Um, it was fun, like doing, you know, traveling around New York on my bike, like going from meeting to meeting and doing growth consulting with startups, made a ton of really good connections there. Uh, and then about a year after I left, 
um, maybe about a year and a half, Stacy called me up, who's still a very good friend of mine. Um, and uh, actually, he's relaunching MoviePass, I think, next week. Um, called me up and said, hey, we're, um, we're going to, we need digital marketing. We need growth. Will you help us? So then he hired, Stacy. then hired my agency, MSC, at the time to uh, take over all the digital. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of like how I ended up back working with them again. So I guess long story short, the acquisition happened when we were doing the, uh, the paid ads work for them. So we, we started working with them again. They were acquired, uh, I think, about two months after we started working with them. So I got to go through that process of the acquisition. Again, very tight with Stacy. So he was, uh, you know, he, he kind of filled me in as things went along. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's how that whole story kind of played out. Yeah, I mean, that's very relevant because you got to see what the CEO goes through, through this real M&A process. Yeah. And then, yeah, that I, I just read, he bought it out of bankruptcy, right? Now he's going to launch it again. That's great. That'll be fun to watch. I think he bought it for like 13000 all the assets. Wow. Pulled it out of bankruptcy. Bought it out of bankruptcy and he's relaunching it. He's, he'll figure it out at some point. He's, like I said, he's tenacious. He'll, he'll keep going and going and he will figure it out. He's, he's awesome. So then, you know, you got marquee clients at that point. Have you named it Marketing Supply Company, the, your agency at that point? I was 31. I'd never started my own business. I'd only do, done kind of like side consulting work. And I kind of said to myself, well, if, you know, if I'm going to do this, now's the time I'm going to do it. So let's just go and do it. Don't have a family. Um, I, you know, I just moved back home a year prior. So, and I always wanted to build something in Detroit. I always wanted to like, to actually start a business in Detroit. And I saw a major opportunity for it because no one did growth marketing in this market or there weren't any like real growth agencies. It would, there were always these like outdated McCann in common, you know, like all these like outdated old auto agency, advertising agencies who are going to go away very soon because they're so outdated. So the idea was, let's, you know, I'll start this business and I can work with a lot of the startups here, a lot of the fun companies that are up and coming. I can work with a lot of companies on the coast. Uh, and how I found the name of Marketing Supply Company is I was just, it just hit me one day. I was like, well, dot, you know, obviously dot coms are hard to come by. I thought about dot CO and then I was like, well, you know, I'm in Detroit. Um, it's very industrial. What can I do with that? So I, I thought marketing supply and then, I, and then I thought I tried .com and I was like, well, actually .co would be better marketing supply company. Yeah. So I, I, I searched .co, it was available. I bought it, had a logo made, found someone on, uh, on Upwork, which yep. was Elance at the time. I had a logo created and put up a, a landing page and then got some business cards and it was marketing supply company. And that was it. That's awesome. I want to give a a little shout out to Joe Malcoon because you said he was very influential. I mean, I've heard that numerous times. Like there are a few guys that you come across, right, that have, really have intent on having a positive impact on other people in the world that we live in, right? This entrepreneurial tech world. And Joe's certainly one of them. And the story that I heard from Joe was that, yeah, you were working there, you were a superstar there, and you needed to go do what you were doing and help a lot more people than just one company. So I felt like, at least from that story, there was a ton of support for you to go start this thing, which is great, right? You were obviously meant to do it. So then, yeah, a couple of years go by, we ran into each other. I bring your company in, you know, on assignment and we become friends. Then, you know, I get a call from you that it's like, hey, there's some 
a company that's interested. They're kind of a partner. We know them that's interested in buying me. I've been thinking about this. Um, you know, what do you think? Right. So I think we sat down at your office and we had, you know, a conversation and, you know, that was when I was really getting the idea that the best outcomes are really created by specialists, specialist investment bankers. So a banker that only specializes in one particular industry. And I didn't really have somebody that was really dedicated to what you do. And you had, you know, somebody that was really knocking on the door. And I think that we get this question all the time. And I would have asked it 10 years ago, I would have asked it of myself, like, hey, why can't I just sell my business myself? And we have our reasons, right? Why we think that we will help founders and protect them and you know, create structures that are really beneficial. And it's not just about getting top dollar, but we believe that's certainly part of it. You ended up making the decision, I'm gonna do this on my own. Now, most of the founders that we talked to have never seen an M&A transaction, right? And yet you've seen how do you grow from zero to something really impressive and have exits. So you made this decision, can you talk me through what made you decide first to sell your business and then second to do it basically on your own as far as I know? So Joe introduced me to a friend of his who was looking to acquire a startup, uh, kind of like a growth agency. Um, and uh, he introduced me to, to the guy and uh, they had just purchased another company in Los Angeles the year before called Phenomenon, which is a, uh, an ad agency. Uh, uh, and, uh, yep. So they had just purchased phenomenon a year prior and they wanted to add more, uh, data-driven growth marketing capabilities to what phenomenon could offer because what was happening is they were doing all the brand work, uh, and they were doing some of the strategy work, but it ended there and they weren't able to kind of continue on mm -hmm. with the, actually taking that work and take actually pushing it into the market, uh, and, and getting it to work for the client. So it was, uh, it was the thought that we would be able to jump in, pick it up from there, take that work into market, make it successful, and then it, it, it creates longevity in the relationship rather than kind of like just the brand stuff. Uh, it, and then it flows into the work that we do. And obviously, it, it, it's more profitable that way. That was kind of the theory. And as I remember, was it was there, there on the West Coast, you're here in the Midwest, and maybe there was, yeah, you can deliver your services on the West Coast and you have got clients here that maybe they can leverage as well. And you're obviously providing this reoccurring revenue, right? Just keeping that relationship yeah. going. That's great. All right. So Joe makes the intro. You feel like the fit is there now, right? You guys are complementary to each other. So there's some confidence that this could actually make sense, right? So where do you go from there? Yeah. So I've alluded to this a couple of times, but haven't, haven't directly addressed it. I I've been super, super lucky. And, and I think any entrepreneur uh, is, is only as good as the people they they're able to surround themselves with. Right. Um, meaning I, I've had a, a ton of help throughout my entire career and I've had people be very, very generous in their time and their re relationships and sharing, uh, sharing contacts with me, uh, and guiding me and coaching me. And that, that's so important for any entrepreneur. Um, and I, ended up getting, uh, so I, I started working with an accountant who, uh, who was also kind of like a, he was, he's almost like a, an accountant slash business advisor, a financial business advisor, 
when I first started the company, and I actually met him at Pony Ride, uh, when which was our first office that we were working out of. It was just it was just me and one other guy, um, and his name's Matt. And Matt had throughout the the, the course of my you know, running or building marketing supply company, Matt had always been there helping me with my taxes and my books and just giving me financial advice and how to, you know, like how to tax law and helping me with all the things that, that as an entrepreneur, you don't have the time to think about a lot and you need a really good financial person to, to, to set you down, to set you and your business down the right path, which is going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars. I remember the first, one of the first things that Matt did for me when I first started working for him is he, uh, he turned my business into an S corp from an LLC. So I didn't have, so I wasn't hit with the, the huge self-employment tax. Right. Um, and, and that was that it saved me tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, my second, I think my second year in business and, and he did those things for me throughout our, the lifetime of my business to help me grow. And I learned things from him all along the way. Um, which again is so important. Like when you work with people like that, you consume their knowledge and then you can pick their brain and ask them questions. And he was just an awesome, awesome resource for me. So what happened was when, uh, when I started to, to have conversations with, uh, with these guys, Matt was super excited and Matt had gone through before he started his own kind of startup, uh, finance company. Uh, Matt, uh, had worked in corporate M and A. And he, I, you know, I, I came to him one day. I'm like, hey, here's, here's the deal. And he knew that I was thinking about maybe selling at some point. And I was like, hey, here's the deal. I think these guys are serious about buying my business. Do you want to come along for the ride and like help me do this? And he was like, of course, man. Like I would love to have one of these under my belt. I would love, you know, I'd love the connections that I would get out of it. I would love to help you out. We became, you know, we were really good friends at that point. So from that point forward, Matt was a, a huge champion of mine. He helped me, he gave me the best advice. I, you know, I, he gave me excellent financial advice. He gave me pricing advice. He gave me negotiating advice. And he was just someone that I could lean on throughout the process to help me guide, to help me guide me through it. So I think the reason I, I ended up like selling the company by myself, it wasn't actually by myself. It was with Matt. And he, it, without Matt, I would have had to, go hire a, a, an outside company and and it would have been the right move for me to do that hands down i wouldn't have been able to do it on my own this is great to hear because the accounting function when you're selling your business it's so important the second that you share information financial information about your business and it ends up being wrong you might as well like shoot that deal whatever you thought you had is gone, right. right? So you having someone in your corner, even before you're thinking about selling the business to make you really understand what your business is financially, like real financial statements, that puts you light years ahead already. So I can see if you have somebody in your corner that can manage that side of the kind of data sharing and know that it's right and that you're leaning on that to drive valuation in any negotiation that you have, particularly a guy that has M&A experience, 
I mean, that's a find. So now to me, like the light bulb is like, ah, that's how this guy pulled off such an amazing outcome. Yeah. <laughs> right. But not, and not that you wouldn't yeah. do it yourself, but there's so many other things, right? You had to run a business at the same time as doing this, right? Can you talk maybe a little bit about how time consuming it was and how did you manage to keep the business growing while you were doing this? Yeah. So back to what you said, and, and then I'll address that. Matt, is my hero. Yeah. Uh, like, you know what I mean? I, for the rest of my life, um, I, I will have, uh, I'll have nothing but gratitude for him because he, he's, he was, he was so amazing through the process. And every time I see him, like, I, I mean, I give him the biggest hug and like, he's just, he's just an awesome guy. And it's always so good to have people like that in your corner. And, yeah. and like I said before, you can't do that without people who, uh, who have your back and, and guide you and you have to trust people to guide you and you have to listen to people and you don't know everything. You have to ask questions and, and, and learn. Um, but you have to have experts who, who can help guide you through that process. Um, and then as far as like running, as far as running the company goes while it was happening, it was pretty interesting, right? Because I try to take what I think is somewhat of a different approach to it. Um, I had just hired, uh, uh, Mike, Carol, who, uh, who became our head of growth at that time. And Mike also came from nutshell. So Mike joined, um, before the, uh, about eight months before the acquisition, Mike joined MSC as our head of growth. And, um, Mike was at nutshell, uh, had the same role at nutshell that I did. Mike and I worked together because nutshell hired MSC after I left nutshell. So I worked directly with Mike again, someone that like, I couldn't do it without Mike, you know, it, it's, it, that's, that's kind of like the, I think the, the, the real story of all this is like, you've got to find people to lean on. So as I'm going through this process, um, Mike had such great experience that it allowed me to focus, uh, kind of have a dual focus. Yeah. Mike was helping run the business and then I was, you know, spending half my time in the acquisition and, the unique approach I took to it is I actually pulled in my, so I pulled Mike in yeah. to the acquisition and I pulled my, uh, one of my directors in Marina, who I know wanted experience in acquisitions and, and she wanted to learn how to build and sell a company. It was something she had always talked about. So what I did was I actually pulled them into a lot of the conversations. I had them help me create the, 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 our, our kind of like pitch deck on what we do when we pitch to the entire phenomenon team, they were on those calls. Marina was 27 years old at the time. And it was one of those things where like, I thought about when I was 27 years old at peanut labs and the experience that I had, and, and I wanted to, to kind of pay it forward to, to Marina and give her that experience of uh, an acquisition. She actually left and just was part of another acquisition, which was super cool. So, um, so anyway, uh, we, so I pulled them into the conversations. Uh, we, they, they were on all the calls. Um, and yeah, it was, it was difficult to do both, but it took, um, I think it took about eight months for the deal to close. Yeah. So we, I think we both slow played it a little bit and it was, it was a long, the negotiations took quite a while. Yeah. A couple things that jump out at me 
is that a lot of times founders have to decide who do they bring in the process that works at their company? You know, which employees, certainly like if you have a CFO, that's going to be a very important role. But you clearly had some people that you could really lean on that could operate the business when you needed them to and could be integral in the M&A process and that they were going to get something out of it. And I think I need to think more even about that when I'm coaching our founders, when they're trying to make the decision, who do I bring you know, behind the curtain that we are selling this business and who do we keep it private? So those are really tough decisions. And I think you have a relatively small business, but you really understand and, and know these people well. So you made the right call of who to bring in. And then now eight months, right? That's on the longer side and each side might be slow rolling it. And what we find is, Really, in order to keep a tight timeline or really accelerate a process, you have to drive competition. Was there any other potential buyers that you would bring to the table or that you would suggest, hey, phenomenon, right? If we're going to do something, we should do it because, you know, these guys are knocking on our door too. Was there any of that? There was, yeah. And I got randomly introduced to someone who, local, um, who said, I want to buy your business. I heard someone else is interested in buying your business, but I want to buy it. Yep. Well, are you, are you interested in, in talking? And I was, of yep. course. Right. So, um, but the, the, the interesting thing too, about my business is when in the acquisition is it was peak COVID. So the, the market was so unpredictable yep. at that point. And, but because we were digital, we were growing month over month and we were a rocket ship. Yeah. Um, so the longer the negotiations dragged on, the more revenue we made and the more revenue you make, right? The more your business is worth. Yeah. So the longer the deal dragged out, the higher the acquisition became. Right. And, and it was, it was just part of it. it, was, it so it was, the deal needed to close on their side, but also we were still negotiating, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm typically telling founders that, hey, the worst thing you can do is let your business slip while you are you know, selling the business. And you've just shown that, hey, if you can accelerate growth, it's your negotiation, right? This is a chip on your side that you can play to not only get a deal closed that you want, but increase purchase price. So that's great. You brought in competition. Yeah. I mean, you're doing all the right things. I think that that's what I was excited for this conversation is that I didn't know how you pulled this off, right? And now we're getting a little bit of insight into it. So I hope people can take from this that you were able to drive competition. You had somebody in your corner that had real financial chops and M&A experience. You had a team that was willing to back you up and carry the ball when you had to focus on M&A. And the fact that you were growing your business means you could help dictate terms. I think like these are all awesome things to hear. So I don't want to shortchange any of that, but I think I've learned a ton. Is there anything else that you would give to your fellow founder, like advice because, you know, we all build businesses because we're really excited to build them. And maybe we're thinking about in the back of our head that we might sell it someday. And very few yeah. people get that opportunity. Anything surprise you or any words of wisdom that you can kind of leave us with? Yeah. Yeah, I would say the, the what I loved about the, the, the guys, and we, we were acquired by private equity. Um, who who owns also owns Phenomenon. Yep. We ended up changing her name to Phenomenon. Uh, I really like the guys that were 
running the deal because they were tech startup guys. Okay. And they were in San Francisco. They, I think they liked me and my business because I had that startup experience, that San Francisco experience. I think it was a good fit for them. It was a good fit for me. I think that's really important to want to, uh, and I have a good relationship with them still, to want to be acquired by the guys that are acquiring you, but sorry, by the people that are acquiring you, right? It's that's super, super important uh, to don't think about just the money because you're going to regret it. You're if you're especially if you're going to have an earnout, you want you're basically working for these people now. So you want to make sure that they're people that you want to work with, people that you admire, and people that you want to continue to grow your career with. There'll be other opportunities along the way with them as well, especially private equity, right? So. Um, so that was, uh, that's something that's really important. I think that's a great point. I've been through, you know, that personally where I wish I knew who I was, I, I was selling my business to before I did that. I know in one case, if we had just known that the company that was acquiring us was planning on turning around and selling the company and that they had been running a process themselves and they needed us to make that next transaction happen. I mean, imagine the leverage we would have had and really like an, an M and a team knows that they know all the buyers, they know the mission, they know what the vision is over the next, you know, 18 months, three years and out. And so you, you would hope that those expert teams are finding that fit for you and understanding kind of the inner workings of who you're selling to. I know you're talking about personalities too, and I've certainly, you know, had my experiences there where you wish you had done more research. That's just a great point. Yeah. When you're running your own business, especially if you're a sole founder, you're making all the decisions, right? Yes. And, uh, and then when you get acquired, there are a lot of other egos in addition to your own that you, you have to, that you have to deal with. Yep. And, um, when you're used to making all of dis the decisions all the time, uh, and then you have to, uh, work with others, it, it can be difficult because, uh, you know, you've, you're, you're just used to making all the decisions. You're used to kind of paving your own path. Um, so that's something that also that you have to really think about is again, are these, you know, like, Am I going to be able to work with these people long term? Um, if if yes, if they share the same mindset, same values, all that stuff is very very important. Then you, you know you're going to have a pretty good time. But if not, then you're going to have a hard time. And there are a lot of, and I'm sure you you've talked to many entrepreneurs. There are a lot of horror stories where um, you know I feel pretty lucky uh, what what's happened to us. But there are a lot of horror stories where um, companies get acquired and they just can't get along. Yep. Um, so. It's, it's, it's important to make sure that they're the right people for you. Yeah. I think that's a great final point. Look, Shane, thank you for doing this. This is just awesome. Yeah. I think in a really short period of time, right? You just amass so many experiences that are going to be valuable for a lot of people. So I appreciate you sharing them. And, you know, I got to say, you don't look as tired as I think you should with a new son. Congratulations on that. Right. That is just such an unbelievable Thanks experience and i hope mom is doing well she must be doing the bulk of the work because you look too good to be have just had a, a newborn <laughs> <laughs> um you know I'm, I'm i'm in and out i'm in and out of it like we've had some late nights but she's she's been doing great she's awesome she's been doing she's she's helped you know she's been doing she has been doing a bulk of the work and and she's she's doing well baby's doing well man That's i'm great so excited. I got, I got a little hockey player that's starting to grow. So I, yeah. I just can't wait. I've been, I've already been Googling 
okay, like how early can I start my child on ice skates? Yeah. And uh, it's going to be as soon as possible. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Cashing Out Podcast. For more founder exit stories, please subscribe to the Cashing Out Podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please remember, ExitWise.com and the Cashing Out Podcast are for entertainment purposes only. This should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions.